Every day they pass me by. I can see it in their eyes. Empty people filled with care, headed who knows where. On they go through private pain, living fear to fear. Laughter hides their silent cries, only Jesus hears. People need the Lord, people need the Lord, at the end of broken dreams, he's the open door, people need the Lord, people need the take his light to a world where wrong seems right what could be too great a cause for sharing life with one who's lost through his love our hearts can feel all the grief they bear they must hear words of life only we can share people need the Lord people need the Lord at the end of broken dreams he's the open door people need take our Bibles, turn over to the book of John, John chapter 3, verse 16, a very familiar passage. Again, we're at the last Sunday of our missions month, and we've continued on that missions theme throughout the month, and we, we want to continue today, and uh, uh, not only this morning, but even tonight we'll be addressing some things that apply to that, but we, we want to emphasize the need for missions, and we've been trying to do that. And again, I, we'll, you know, we'll see where we're all at at the end of the night. We'll see where our numbers fall, but we're excited, looking forward to what the Lord's going to do. And, uh, this, well, at least in this area of missions, we're super excited. And again, we're uh, looking forward to what God has in store for us. So, John chapter 3, 16, and uh, we're going to move along today. And again, we're looking forward to our children coming down. Uh, they have been working diligently, striving hard to... Uh, just, I mean, they're going to be dressed, some of them are dressed like missionaries and all kind of things and different 
costumes based on their areas and where they've been sent to. And, you know, you can read some of their missionary letters out on the wall, things like that. It's been a great week, uh, month for them as well. So we're, I'm looking forward to seeing from them. That's kind of a highlight for me today. But anyway, John chapter 3, verse 16. <clears throat> for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Father, we come to you. I ask that you'd walk these aisles. Lord, may you speak to our hearts today. We're needy people. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the wonderful love that you demonstrate and extend to us. We ask that again you'd work in our hearts, that you'd remind us of our needs, the need to depend on you, that you would Remind us of the need to reach out to others and to help them in this time of need around the world, that the gospel is necessary, essential to all mankind. Lord, if there be any that have not yet settled their faith promise number, even as I'm doing presently trying to pray and seek your face, I pray that you would open up their eyes, that you would make it clear to them what you'd have them do. God of heaven, we love you and we need you today. We're praying for your leadership. We'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. In 1982, <clears throat> a 66-year-old woman, Yvonne Henderson, could be found sleeping in the streets, malnutritioned, and combing the beach in Miami, Florida. The woman had claimed for years that she was, well, a lady of social standing. The pampered daughter of a British diplomat, that she was somehow accustomed to a life of luxury. But no one paid any attention to her until she began going to the Miami Beach Jewish Community Center for free hot meals every weekday. Social workers there, they launched an investigation Unfortunately, that investigation was hampered by the fact that Mrs. Henderson had long ago lost her birth certificate or passport and other identifications simply because of muggers and people that were so mean and nasty to her. For 17 years, she lived on the streets of Miami, eking out a meager existence, becoming a nuisance to local law enforcement and an eyesore in the community. But British authorities have confirmed after a long investigation that that old woman who scrounged in the streets for food was in fact born the daughter of a high-ranking diplomat and apparently was heir to money in banks all over the world. The old adage says, looks can be deceiving. And that adage would certainly apply here, I believe. To many, to many that seemed her just simply pushing her cart around town and scrounging for food every day, she may have appeared insignificant, unimpressive, and 
even worthless. From all appearances, she wasn't very valuable to society. But can I tell you that she was valuable to God. Behind the worn clothing, the distant look, and the gritty appearance was a soul for whom Christ died for. And as we begin reading our text today, the trumpet sounds, for God so loved the world. And that included Mrs. Henderson. Can I tell you today that that includes you? Because of God's love for humanity, God put a plan in motion to rescue mankind from the destruction of sin. In John chapter 3, verse 16, he points out that particular plan, and he begins to reveal it to us. And that plan includes the world. That plan includes every single person in the world. As you look on the back wall, you may or may not be able to see those little countries, or should I say continents that I've shared here, but you'll see that you have North America, South America, Europe, Africa, Asia, and Australia. I have here in my hand a dollar bill. I wonder today, if we took this dollar bill, obviously, and used it in America, anywhere in America, I wonder, how much is that dollar bill worth? A dollar. Someone says, well, yeah, but there's this uh, thing called an exchange rate. There's this, I'm not talking about exchange rates. I'm talking about simply this dollar's worth a dollar, right? And if I have this dollar in North America, it's worth a dollar. If I would travel to South America, that same dollar is still worth how much? A dollar. I could move on all the way over across the seas to Europe, and there in Europe, I may have to, as we say, exchange this dollar for, I don't know, marks or whatever currency it is. But the fact is, it's still a dollar. It's still worth a dollar. In Africa, a dollar. In Asia, a dollar. In Australia, a dollar. This is always worth a dollar. I want you to understand also that this dollar represents souls. And it doesn't matter what hemisphere a person lives in. It doesn't matter what continent they live on. It doesn't matter what country they belong to. I want you to understand that their value is not based on where they live or their geographical location. It's just simply they have value. These dollars, that dollar that I held up under each represents souls. And can I tell you, in every continent, in every country, in every hemisphere, people are valued the exact same in God's eyes. I hold in my hand a, a nice, pretty nice looking dollar bill. It's pretty sharp. And I'm kind of one of those funny people. I'm not, real, I'm not a real fan of, like you go through a drive-thru or something and somebody hands you a dollar back or a $5 back or usually that's about as high as it goes for me. <laughs> and all of a sudden I notice that all the corners and edges are bent. I don't like that. 
I, I don't like the corners bent. I don't like the edges bent. I, I don't like them all folded up. I, I want them nice and straight and neat. The other day I received some of those kind of dollar bills and I spent some time trying to iron them out because I just can't take it. Now, in my hand is a pretty solid dollar bill, and it looks really sharp. And can I tell you that when you look at that dollar bill, <clears throat> it might be pretty nice. I mean, I'm just kind of curious, how much is that worth? It's worth a dollar. I'm looking at this one here, and I left the service for a moment so I could wet it down and make it really wet for you. But it's a wet dollar, and you'll understand in a moment why I did that. But it's a wet dollar. Can I ask you, how much is this dollar worth? Oh, it's worth a dollar. Oh boy, look at this one. It's extremely dirty. Look at how dirty that is. That's really dirty, isn't it? Can I ask you, how much is that worth? That's right. Can I tell you that if I went to McDonald's right now, as filthy and as dirty as this dollar is, they would take it. I got this one. It's all crinkled up. Little ball. How much is that worth? It's worth a dollar. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter whether you're wearing a three-piece suit today and you look like a million bucks. It doesn't matter whether or not you're all dirty and filthy with wretched, sinful stuff in your life. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter how crumpled up you may be and how wrecked and ruined your whole life may have become. It doesn't matter whether you are wet and doused with alcohol, drugs, or some other kind of vice in your life. My friend, I want you to understand when God looks at you, when God sees you, He loves you and says, you are valuable. And can I tell you, it doesn't matter today whether or not you're that one walking with that suit. You're no more valuable than the one that's looking filthy and wretched in sin. My friend, it doesn't matter whether you look really sharp. Again, you're in church every Sunday. That person that's over there bound by vice and sin in their life is no less valuable than you are. We somehow get an idea sometimes that because we live a certain way or we look a certain way or we live in a certain country or we're in a certain city, somehow we are more valuable to God. My friend, that is not scriptural. That is not biblical. The truth is, is that this dollar is worth a dollar whether it's in Akron, Ohio or whether it's somewhere in Columbus or whether it's across this country or around the world. It's equally valuable no matter where it is. It's just a dollar. And my friend, may I tell you today that God sees you and he sees me. We are simply human beings and we are equally valuable in the sight of God. Amen. Turn, if you would, to Acts chapter 10, verse 34. In God's eyes, everyone is worth the exact same amount Can I tell you that God doesn't think your children are more valuable than that Chinese mother and father's children are? Your parents aren't any more valuable to God than, than that, that young man's parents in Africa? Notice what the Bible says in Acts chapter 10 and understand as we turn there, that 
Peter, the apostle, he at this point is one of those disciples and Christ has returned, of course, back to the Father and now all of a sudden he's opening the, the gospel up to the Gentile. Before that, Israel was the one who received the truth. Israel, it was exclusively to Israel. God is now going to open up the gospel to the world, to the Gentile world. And Peter holds the key, as the Bible tells us, the keys of the kingdom. And he's going to unlock the door to the Gentile. And what God is going to do now in chapter 10 is he's going to prepare Peter for this act, this function. And so what he does is he shows them this vision. And he has this, this, this like sheet come down. And there's all these animals in it. The problem is, is that the animals that are in the sheet, so to speak, that is coming down from heaven are what would be considered unclean animals in the sight of a Jewish man or woman. Based on their law in the Old Testament, those particular animals, beasts, and other things were unclean to them. They weren't permitted to eat them. They weren't permitted to do anything with them. And God was now saying to Peter, go ahead and eat. And Peter's like, what are you talking about, God? I can't eat those things. They're unclean. God says, yeah, but I made it. It's fine. Go ahead and eat it. He says, no, I can't eat it because once again, God, in your Bible, in the word of God, it says this. And God says, wait, there's a transition taking place. There's something unique that's transpiring. I'm going to open up the gospel, not just to the Jew, but I'm opening it up to the entire world. I'm going to go ahead and go from the law to grace. And we're going to transition into that. And Peter, you're going to be the one that unlocks this door of salvation to the Gentile. I want you to understand they are not unclean, that they are not wretched, that they're no different than the Jew. They need the same gospel that the Jew needs. And so what he does is eventually he comes to this conclusion, wow, God wants me to eat of those unclean animals. Something unique is taking place. And in the midst of that, he receives a knock on his door and they say, by the way, Cornelius, the Gentile centurion, wants to talk to you. Huh, God must be doing something, Peter thinks. Peter goes to Cornelius and he enters into his home and he recognizes and realizes that Cornelius truly does want to meet with God. He's, matter of fact, he's a religious man. He just isn't a saved man yet. And so Peter begins to preach the same message. He begins to tell him about Jesus Christ, who died, was buried, and rose again. And man, the Holy Spirit of God comes upon him in his household. And Peter says, Amen! God is saving the Gentiles. And in Acts chapter 10, verse 34, the Bible says, Then Peter opened his mouth, and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Let's make sure that we understand clearly, however, that he says it's one thing that Jesus Christ died for the sin of the world, and he did indeed. There's not a person in this world that can't be saved based upon the finished work of Christ. However, they can only be saved if they accept and receive him. But God is no respecter of person. He sees that Jew 
He sees that Gentile and he says, hey, I want you all in my kingdom. I want you all to be saved. He looks over Akron and he looks over Ohio and he looks across this great country of ours and he sees South America, North America, Europe, Africa, Asia, and Australia. And he says, hey, I want everybody to be saved because everybody's valuable to me. I love all of them. Because he's no respecter of persons. The Bible says the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us who are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We're so valuable to God that he suffered. He died. He gave his very life for us. It's how valuable we are. He laid it down for us, for every single human being, for God so loved the world he didn't just love Americans. He loves the whole world. Isaiah 53, 4 says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet, he did, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord had laid upon him the iniquity of us all. If we'd go back to Isaiah chapter 53, we'd understand that's a prophetical passage. And we understand that there, at that time, there was a Jewish prophet that was writing. Can I tell you that he probably, more than likely, believed that that passage applied to him and his people primarily, if not exclusively. But can I tell you that God never intended that only the Jew get saved? God didn't intend that only the Gentile get saved. God said, for God so loved the world. He wants everyone to be saved. And can I tell you, there's not one person that's more valuable to God than the next. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what kind of job you hold. I don't care what your education level is. It doesn't matter what gender you are, what nationality you are. It doesn't matter what race you are. My friend, God says you're equally valuable to him. And that Bible says, surely he hath borne our griefs. It ain't just talking about mine and yours. It's talking about the griefs of the world. When it said he carried our sorrows, he's talking about the world's sorrow. He said that he was wounded for our transgressions. It was for the transgressions of all mankind. He died in our place. Every human being he died for. It doesn't matter how dirty and filthy you are today. Can I tell you, it's important that you get cleaned up, but my friend, I'll tell you something. God doesn't base his value of you on how you look today. Whether you took a bath or not doesn't really matter a whole lot to God in the, long, in the scheme of things when it comes to whether he loves you or not. Oh, he may want you to take a bath so when you sit in church, you don't push people away and scare them off. But I'm gonna tell you something. That don't determine whether or not he loves you. It don't matter how deep in the muck and the mire of sin you've gone, my friend. It doesn't matter to God. He still loves you just as much if you were that straight-laced, tie-wearing church boy. Your life may be wrecked and ruined today, 
But I'm telling you, God still loves you. Why? Because God sees us through eyes of compassion and love. He said, for God so loved the world. And my friend, may you remember always, as you walk this life, as you travel this road, may you always remember how God sees humanity. And as we look upon people that are not so nice, not so clean, not so like us, may we not come to a very bad opinion of them. May we not find ourselves being critical and cynical of them. Instead, may we, like Christ, love them. As a creator, God knows that every soul is created with a spiritual void that only he himself can fill. You know, that, that's why the tribesmen worship the stars. That's why Indians worship nature. That's why all cults and man-made religion exists. Because there's a void in us. And if Christ is not in us to fill that void, then there is something that we must turn to to fill the void, to become complete. It's amazing as we look at humanity and as we look at others and around us even and we, we see their, their, you know, this, things about them that just are distasteful to us. And it, it, it causes us to kind of back away. It causes us to almost shun them, if you will. Because they are different, because maybe they don't view things the way we do. They don't take our position on things. They don't see the world the way we see the world. Can I tell you, in most cases, there is something desperately missing in their life. If you, were, if you had a child today, and it was born without a limb, and God forbid that would happen, but say your child was born without a leg, you wouldn't go around saying to that child, what's your problem? You're just a lazy, good-for-nothing bum. Look at you, sitting around doing nothing. I want you to walk, and you won't even walk. You wouldn't say that like that if it was your child because you know there's something missing that's affecting their ability to accomplish what you think is necessary and needful. What you would do is run out to the doctor. You would try to get a prosthetic. You try to fit them with some kind of leg, something that would enable them to have some sense of normalcy in their life because you know something's missing. You're not angry with them. You're not upset with them for missing a leg. You don't despise them for missing a leg. You still love them and have compassion on them. As a matter of fact, you have more compassion. But when it comes to this world, and as we look at men and women, boys and girls, who lack something, who are missing Jesus Christ, we don't have compassion. We have disdain. We have anger. We have resentment toward them. Why can't you be more like me? Why don't you see things the way I do? I don't want to be around you. I don't want nothing to do with you. You're too different. There's something missing in your life. That same thing that's missing is Jesus Christ and he's in yours. And the only reason that you are what you are is because of him in you. The Apostle Paul said, if it were not for the grace of God, there go I. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, where would you be? All crippled up in your sin. Where would I be? That divine vacuum that exists within mankind must be filled. And as a result of that, if they fail to receive Christ, if they fail to allow the true God to, to fill that void in their life, then guess what? They're going to be desperate to fill it somehow, some way, even turning to idols. In our cultured society, we may not stoop down to rocks and carved wood anymore but we do bow down to the gods of our own choosing and our own making. 
the gods of self, sports, sex, success, science, and the like. Our own made gods, our homemade gods. And the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 1.9, it says, For they themselves shew of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Man, what the world doesn't need is our condemnation. What the world doesn't need is us pointing a finger and saying, if you are only more like me. What the world doesn't need is us telling them, God will love you if you. God will accept you if you. No, God loves them already for God so loved the world. My friend, you aren't any more valuable than they are. And I'm no less valuable than they are. The truth is, is we are just God's creation. And he loves us because... I wonder today, where are you at with God? How are you doing with him? He does love you. Another question, how are you doing with others? Because they need his love. Talk about missions. Missions is about these around the world that are dirtied by sin and will never make it to heaven without Jesus Christ. It's about those who are broken and ravaged by it and are all distorted because of the sin, inherent sin, committed sin every day of their lives. Missions is even about this one who looks so clean, so good, so perfect, but down deep, they're sinners at the root. It's about that one that's soaking wet with alcohol, bound by drugs and vice. Missions is about reaching the very ones that Christ came to reach. And just like every one of these dollars is valuable to us, every soul is valuable to God. And the truth is these dollars represent souls, even for us today. Because as we give our faith promise missions, every dollar in the offering equals a soul for Christ. For God so loved the world. The key is if, or do we love it also? Not the world, sin world, but the souls in the world. By the way, maybe you're already saved you know, Yvonne Mary Henderson lived well below her means. Can I tell you that you are a child of the King today if you know Christ as your Savior? Don't live like a pulper begging bread in this world. Don't scour the streets in order to eke out a meager existence. You're rich beyond compare today in Christ Jesus. Identify with your heavenly father and rest in his riches. Accept nothing less than success and victory in your Christian life because that's exactly what your heavenly father wants for you and will provide for you if you'll yield and surrender to him. A dollar is still just a dollar no matter where in the world you go. 
And a man, a woman, a boy, and a girl is just a man, boy, and a, a man, a boy, excuse me, a man, a woman, and a boy, and a girl anywhere in the world. Souls are souls. May we see them the way God does. And may we support them by being willing to give to our missions and ultimately reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we come to you. We thank you for all you do for us, Lord. There may be those in our midst who don't even know Christ as their Savior and Lord. They may not have accepted the Lord Jesus. They may not have trusted and received him into their life as Savior. I pray, Lord, that you would just help them to understand that sin has gripped our hearts. From the time we're born, we're born sinners. And if we do nothing about it, we'll live in our sin, we'll die in our sin, and we'll be separated eternally from God. But thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to pay for our sin. Thank you that you provided for us an escape. We just pray that you just work in our hearts and lives even today. And Lord, for those that are still looking for that number, that are still just trying to figure out what you'd have them do for faith promise missions, I pray, Lord, that you'd put a number on their heart even this hour, this moment. Lord, be glorified. That we may reach the world with the gospel, that many shall see it in fear and trust in the Lord. Lord, we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand.